Welcome to episode 341 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. guys welcome along to episode three one no three four one i should say of i am talk with coach john Houston. guess what john it's christmas day merry christmas we wish you a merry christmas we wish you a merry christmas we wish you a merry christmas and a happy new year well, there you go. Good tidings. That's the end of the show. Thanks for, yeah. <laughs> thanks for coming along. This is our first ever Christmas show there, then. Oh, where'd you get the kids? Uh, Tommy's got a bike, a new bike. Like oh. In the past, we've got him, I got him a new small bike, but it was pretty bad, Joe. Uh, and then his second bike was uh, a Trade Me $25 bike. Nice. His new one is... Is this like a brand new bike? This is a brand new bike. It's got a couple of gears. Can it's he, got brakes. How old is he now? He's five. So trainer wheels. Oh no no no! Well gone, well gone, well gone. So it's got the brakes. He's, he struggles a bit with the back brakes. So this one's got the hand brakes. Oh nice. Well, you don't really need back brakes in life, do you? No. Once, once you're an adult, you don't need back brakes no, anymore, do you? No, no. No. So he is going places. And Felicity. Felicity got a couple of Barbie dolls. Oh, did she? Yeah. Did you choose them? <laughs> no, blunder. You, you cringed a little bit when you said that. Well, we had this discussion that. Kind of different values amounts. <laughs> the bike is, it's not a, it's a reasonable quality bike. And she gets a couple of Barbie dolls, but the kids won't notice. She'll be, she'll be happy as Larry. Yeah. Or she'll be happy as Felicity. My mum always had this thing about being fair. Mm. So we should just spend the same no matter what. And it would always depend on what you got. Look like you got a lot or you didn't get much. Well, Blunder was doing the stocking presents yesterday and Felicity had 10. Thomas had nine. She had to think of it. We had to think of another present because he will know if he he's can. doing short change. And he's, and he's actually winning big time. Yeah. He's winning big <laughs> yeah. time. They're going to listen to this 20 years from now, mate. I know. And they're going to go... That's why our lives are destroyed because mm. <laughs> of Christmas Day. Daddy pushed me into triathlon. I never wanted to do it. <laughs> Very good. Well, what'd you get? Uh, we're pretty much going no presents. Oh, <laughs> well, John. we're going. Uh, the kitties are getting us a few things each from the kitties. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. I got Joe. I can say this now because it comes out on Christmas Day. We've actually we're pretty good, and this this is done like the week before. I got her a Garmin GPS watch. Oh, you did get the Garmin yeah. model. Forerunner, one 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 or something. Oh, you didn't you didn't get the, the nine ten the trifle. No, model. she didn't need it. She didn't, no. you know. And there's a girl's virgin, virgin, a virgin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's I got, got a, 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 back you to got a little virgin, virgin under there for yourself yeah, for Christmas. Right. Okay. <laughs> it was a great present. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gift that gives. Shut up back there. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that's pretty exciting. Hasn't yeah. actually arrived yet. Yeah. It's arriving over the next couple of days. Well, let's hope so. Yeah, so. When she comes back in, don't drop any hints, John. Mm, okay. Because I've fooled her. Yeah. I'll ask her how far she ran. I'll ask her what, what, don't if, even what, do what it. time splits don't were even, for her run. Don't even do it. Uh, I have talk is proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofhawaii.com. Oh, but, but we hope you guys have a great Christmas Day. Yes, we I do. I imagine most people won't listen to this on Christmas no. Day. No. If you are, you shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get away from the family. Yeah. Uh, Coffees of Hawaii, the best coffee in the world. Imagine that on Christmas oh, Day. It should be. It should be. You shouldn't oh. be imagining it. You should be having it. I imagine a few probably opening it. Athlinks.com Social networking for endurance athletes And extreme endurance Your lactic buffer to help you get faster and fitter and better mm. On this week's show it's, it's a different show this week Because obviously we're pre-recording And not much is really happening in the Ironman world on Christmas Day So we've got um, we've got an intro We're just going to quick intro And then we're going to have Barry Siff um, Good man 
mm-hmm. on the show, and he gives a good interview. Just some general, you know, general discussion topics. Barry's always a man in the know. Yeah, he's really good, isn't he? He is. Although you you disagreed with him. I had this discussion last night again. I have it with a few people now, and I'm I'm certainly in the Tim Tim Don camp of. Uh, I was of talking to someone on short course. We'll talk about after we talked to Barry. Mm, okay. okay. Um, and then because it's the end of the year show, instead of previously we've done best of shows and people don't like that, so we've got Barry, and then we're going to do one of my episodes of fitness behaviour, and I think I'm going to put the process challenge in there, which. Uh, you guys can listen to and you have to let me know what you think. So first of all, news. So we're basically going to do highlights of 2012. Yeah, well, I just... I was, well, I was, John's highlights of 2012. I, I, was, I was trying to think of what the highlights would be. And then I just came up with a little list of, uh, of things that I remembered straight off the, straight off the bat. And, uh, and we, next, on next week's show, we're talking to Torsten. For, and this is number one. Um, we're talking to Torsten about his uh, end of year try ratings. And what you'll hear in that is the, the, the a lot of the top performances came out of Melbourne, and that was probably one of the highlights for me. Is it's probably one of the first times we've seen in a long, long time athletes going really a good, really good, strong field, big, strong elite field going head to head and having a very good race of it, um, both on the men's and really? the women's race. You really think in a long time? Because what about like Germany and yeah, well, Germany often only has two or three guys. Um, and we've had a couple of good roads. But, yeah, but again, but it's not often deep, only, deep, deep, strong It's often fields. only two or three, you know. Yeah. In, in Melbourne, there was what it was about eight or eight or so of them coming off the bike, and there was a lot of other guys that were getting shelled off that group. There was it four was, of them in the run at one stage, wasn't it, for yeah. a long time, and then came and and Curry broke away. And so that was um, that was a highlight for me, and the way um, also the way Zena raced there as well. Oh, she just crushed it. That was like that was a Chrissy like performance. Yep. She just killed it, and those other girls behind her, you know, Joyce and that, they're clearly. They are the best girls in the world. It's not like she was crushing a weak field out there. So yep. uh, that was very, very impressive. That was my number one. You've got the expe- extension of the non-WTC brands, and we're gonna we just they just keep rolling out. You know, challenge last week have uh, announced uh, more races, and yep. and so I think it's healthy for the sport. You know, WTC are obviously by far the dominant um, dominant player but all these other ones they're, they're doing good things and some of them are doing diverse things in terms of we, we keep announcing more extreme triathlons um, and Challenger expanding, Rev3 seem to be doing pretty well, um, hits yes. seem to be yep. pick, picking up, uh, there seems to be a lot of independent halves I mean, a lot are struggling but there seems to be guys that are getting their crap together and and seem to be able to put on a, on a pretty good show. So I think that's uh, really healthy for the sport. Big issue this year probably has to be the biggest issue this year was the Lance Drummers. Yeah, and as much as I don't, don't like him and don't You're like... You're bringing back in the wrap-up yeah, this year. Don't like... Um, I think it's, it's, all, it's all come out, but it has been quite fun following it all. It's been a bit of a days of our lives uh, oh, really? drama yeah. story. Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and everyone had an opinion and people's opinions have changed and some people were saying staunch and... Uh, I, what I find interesting is how, how will Lance be seen 100 years from now? Mm. You know, we're, we're in this moment where we're just unsiphoning what's really been happening. But, you know. Well, I even think in like five years' time. Yeah, but like, you mm. know, you look back and, and what, how will history portray this person? And, uh, mm. yeah, and uh, it will be very interesting looking back. Uh, pushing, push towards pros going head to head. And so a couple of interviews we've done recently is, uh, you know, you hear like um, guys saying, oh, I went to this race, I only had a small amount of prize money and, and low points. And I mean, you know these things before you go into it. And I, I really like the direction WTC are taking about trying to get better fields because there's so many races on now. Yeah. It's just crazy. And, and some of the fields are pretty, pretty weak. 
and I just think it's good, you know, for the for the up and coming athletes, they get a bit of chance to for their their time in the sun at these races. And if you want to be good and want to get good points and you want to get good prize money, you need to go to the uh, the bigger races. So um, it, it's it's a no brainer, you know. The championship races, you you finish in tenth place there, you probably get more than some some Ironman races for for winning it. Um, and so I think that's good, providing the money keeps flowing into those races. And uh, so I quite like the. The model of racing, I don't know if the point system needs a little bit of uh, tweaking or whatever, but in terms of actually pushing athletes, um, the good ones, into the a smaller number of races so we have better races rather than just uh, one or two guys racing, I think is, is, is looking good. Yep, and then lastly, oh, a couple more, you got Kona. Kona, I thought was a great race. I think the girls' race was a great race. I think yeah. the guys' race wasn't a great race. It was like it was a great to see Pete win. Well, Pete, so first the guys' side, I thought it was awesome. It was, it was a bit like the year before with Crowey. He was the best all-round athlete yep. and he just dominated where we've seen you know some of say Crowley's victories have come off the amazing run. amazing yep. runs um but he just crushed it you know he was in control on the swim crushed it on the bike and then did it pretty relatively easy on the run you know still had to run pretty oh quick. yeah like I don't take anything away from Pat I think he had a great race and an amazing performance but I don't think that will go down as a great Kona race whereas the Gills race you know that was pretty exciting mm, you mm. know and the Gills race was to me the 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 as a spectacle, the more exciting race. Yes. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Yep. Uh, the Olympics. And the Olympics. Just general, the Olympics was bloody cool. Yeah. The Olympics was Very was well cool. done to you, Poms. Yeah. Your big thumbs up because it was... Um, I was there when, when the Paralympics games were on. I was literally mm-hmm. in London for a day. And even then, it still felt really awesome. And I kind of... You know, you always think, oh, if I'd only got a couple of weeks earlier, but, yeah. you know, just it was just riveting, wasn't it, the whole thing, you know, and, and obviously the, the triathlon. Yeah, the triathlon wasn't that great. Well, the men's <laughs> was, was right. the yeah. men's was, Brownlee was pretty, you know, there was a there was a, a freakish performance, yeah, yeah. you know, and I think, you know, as much as he kind of, you kind of felt all day he was going to win it, as much as you felt that way, it was still one of those really special performances. Mm. The girls' race is a bit boring, but well, uh, oh no, girls' race is exciting. At the the end. girls' race was was boring but exciting because yeah, uh, yeah that last um, yeah, last part of the was run. Awesome. But yeah. up, to, up to that stage, it was uh, you know now forty five of ho hum. Um, but ho hum, uh, yeah. I'll be very interested. I know nothing about Rio um, in terms of the course. They've done no trial. Well, as far as I'm aware, they've done no uh, trial races there. So when will they do ITU races there? Surely they must have ITU races leading up to it. Yes, they will. They haven't this year, but I'm sure maybe from next year on they they, they will be doing that. Okay. So, um, so will God, they drop be, London? Uh, London's in this year, and then I don't know what will be in the following years. Mm. Uh, I don't know anything. I know, all I know about Rio is it's it's a pretty funky place, uh, yep. and I, I know there's that big uh, Jesus thing up on the the um, hill. Yep. And I, I don't know how high that is. It looks pretty high, but it'd be very cool if they do a, a good demanding course down there. Yeah, well, hopefully. But I don't think they'll go up to that thing. But um, I don't. Even, cool. I don't even know if you can bike up there or not. But uh, but. Mm. Look yeah, out. We'll look out for Rio. Mm. Okay, sponsor. Extreme Endurance. Extreme Vital Power, John. Yes. So I've started to get a little bit of a sniffle, so I probably should have been uh, should have been on the Extreme Immune immune Boost. Sometimes you guys, um, the X-Endurance um, site in Europe does have ever so slightly different names. Um, but they, basically this is the Extreme uh, Immune Boost. It used to be called Extreme Vital. Um, it is whether you're prepping or competing in a marathon, competing in a triathlon or doing an extended workouts of any intensity, all of these stress out your immune system enough to make you uh, to make you ill. In fact, research suggests marathoners are six times more likely to become ill following their 26 mile race than the average person in the street. Oh, that's interesting. 
I do get yeah, a lot of people get sick straight after. Well, it makes races. sense. You, know, yeah. you just destroyed your body. Yeah. So you guys, if you want to get yourself some extreme immune boost, um, check out X Endurance uh, and get yourself some boost immunity, especially over winter time when you're more susceptible to getting sick. Which is really important actually, because if you like, let's say you're like when I did Kona, you know, you're training through winter and, and you can't really afford to lose training weeks. Mm. And you know, the the best thing you can do is to do everything for your body to make sure you don't get sick. And a lot of sickness comes from neglecting yourself. Totally. And you know, and, and if you're going to be out training outside and you're not going to be the wind trainer person, you're going to get outside in some of those cold days. You know, it doesn't increase your chance of getting sick. And so if you can do all the things that are going to help you, obviously wearing good gear and, you know, getting warm afterwards and all that kind of stuff, but also something like an immune boost would definitely help. It's got your vitamin A, your vitamin C, your vitamin D, your vitamin E. It's got all the good stuff in you there. You get that yellow pea happening, won't you? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Nothing like yellow pea. <laughs> so is it a good time of the year, you know, support our sponsors. Um, they stick with us. Uh, you know, all of our sponsors have been with us for bloody ages. Yep. So go to xendurance.com and check them out check 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 it out okay guys so what we're going to have on next is we've got our interview with Barry Siff so we're going to put that on right now righty ho we're very happy to have a man back on the show who is a bit of a triathlon pioneer in the states pioneer John yeah yeah he's like um who's another pioneer um Albert Eyes Davey Crockett, there you go. No. Albert Einstein. <laughs> so Barry Siff, um, one of the guys behind the Hits series at the moment and also behind the... He's behind the, Triathlon, John. Behind Boulder, commentating in a lot of the races around the world. He's on like the Border Triathlon. Yeah. He's, he's a guru. He's doing it all. He's a pioneer. So welcome back to the show, Barry. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Very good. Um, you, you always got your, you know, your finger on the pulse pretty close over there in the States and um, we often, Bevan and I, just... Hypothesize about different things that are going big on. Big yeah. word, I like it. Yeah, and uh, but you, you tend to know what's going on a hell of a lot better than we do. And a couple of things we recently commented on, not necessarily Ironman focused, but um, the F1 series uh, that we that I saw online, and and I mentioned on the show how good it was to see things like that coming back. So you, you were involved in that a little bit recently. So can you can you fill us in a bit on on how it went and and where it's looking to go? Yeah, I, I absolutely can. It was it was pretty awesome. I had never seen it in person, but had certainly seen videos of it back in the you know the Australia days. And um, Mark Lees, who used to uh, yeah. race professionally, you probably know Mark. He beat me in the Laguna Phuket Triathlon. I would have taken it out. Was it when Peter Reed came third? Yes. Oh. <laughs> well, Mark Mark of course was was involved in those races back in the day in Australia, and he's over here in the states now. Actually back living in boulder and about two or three years ago he brought this back to the states put one on uh one of the one of the fast f1 races um in san diego and thought that it would catch on but but it didn't make sense financially for him at the time and he struggled and he was ready to come back this year and at the same time someone else lars Fenanger, uh who had kind of partnered with mark at one time he went and and did put one on in coronado um, it was the same weekend that Lance raced the Super Frog Triathlon, and uh, I was brought out there to announce both races, and uh, was able to watch and see and participate basically in this amazing event um, that that uh, that took place that day. At the same time, USA Triathlon, which I think you know, I'm vice president of the board there, mm-hmm. is looking very closely at supporting a series of these races. Great. Be- 
they're convinced that was one of the factors that went into the success of the Australians back in the 90s. When you look back at all the greats, you know, they were racing this series week after week. And, um, you know, we're going to try to replicate that a little bit in the States. And having watched this race uh, a couple months ago, I can see why uh, why it is so great. So just for our listeners, remind us what, what is the format of the F1? Oh, man, it was it was insane. Uh <laughs> So they, there are 20 guys line up at the start line on the beach. Gun goes off. They run into the wa- a, a, a pretty rough surf and, and do a 300-meter swim. Really? Come up, jump on their bikes, and they did a four-mile um, bike uh, ride, which consisted of 10 laps. <laughs> really? Each lap took one minute i actually time it, it like the leader would do it in one minute and one second wow so they're going around and around <laughs> each end of the lap was a little tunnel they went under a road so they would go from you know the light for about 25 seconds into the dark for five seconds back out into the light and you know as, as a spectator the cyclists were constantly coming by you 10 laps of the bike a minute each lap, then they jump onto the run, and it's a mile and a half run with four laps. <sighs> it was four laps. Might have been five laps. But um, anyway, they're c- constantly running by you. Then they get their swim goggles back on, go back in the water, and do it all over again. 300-meter swim, 10-mile bike, one-and-a-half-mile run. The entire race took 43 minutes. Wow. And it's just fast and furious. I mean, it's just, you know, they're, they're all out 100% of the time and, and just pushing the limit. It, it was, it was, it's pretty cool. So you mentioned before about um, Mark Lee's trying to do it and it wasn't going to be financially viable. So with this event, was it a standalone elite race or how did they support it in terms of trying to get the masses involved? Yeah, it, it's really tough financially, uh, John. You know, I come from a business background, and, my, and I, I look at this sport very much from a business standpoint as well as obviously from a passion standpoint. You, you've got to couple this with other events, obviously, because you know you're giving prize money. I think it was ten or fifteen thousand dollars prize money to these guys. They're obviously not paying any entry fee, hmm. and so there's no money. I mean, you've either got to have some deep pocket sponsors who, who like it. But the, the dream and the vision is basically what happened 20 years ago in Australia. And that is you get it on television. Yep. And, and so, uh, the guys with F1, I know, put together a great video that, that is pretty exciting and hopefully, you know, it's a 43 minute event. So it's perfect for a one hour television show. You could show it live, <clears throat> but who knows? Uh, otherwise, you've got to definitely put it together with with another event. And again, this was done the weekend of Super Frog, so a lot of the people. It was a pretty good spectator group there, and um, yeah, it was a lot. It was it was a lot of fun. I, I can see great potential with it, and they had a good field. I mean, they had, you know, Matt Matty Reed was there, and Leon Griffin, and Clark Ellis, and yep. you know, Manny Huerta, who was on our Olympic team, et cetera. Hmm. What was the feedback from the athletes? You know, what did the athletes think of the format and the race? Oh, I think the athletes love it. I really do. I, they, you know, they were beat. I mean, they were so tired, obviously, and exhausted. 
They really enjoy it. Um, it's fast. It's quick. Uh, and, and, and having the crowds there the whole time is pretty cool. You know, um, you're, you're being cheered on pretty much a hundred percent of the time. And, you know, the announcers go in the whole time and yeah, it's a lot, a lot of fun. So as I mentioned, I think USA triathlon is going to support it in 2013. Hopefully we're going to see, uh, you know, four or five of these events, at least in the States next year. I understand that Mark may have actually bought a, um, a, a portable pool and and if you have the vision is if you if you have a portable 25 meter pool you you could stick it in the middle of you know central park or in new york City or las vegas or you know anywhere and and have huge crowds so it, it, i think it hopefully it has some potential here that's what they did in in australia they um they had a portable pool and, really? Yeah, in Australia, some of the races were open water, but 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 certainly some of them were were um, in a portable pool. Well, I think that's the thing with the races that logistically, if you're doing laps like that, it's it's not a big you know you don't have to do with this city planning and all the rest of it. It's pretty easy to put together, isn't it? Oh, it really is. I mean, you you really absolutely you can put it in a park um, and have to close no roads. You don't have to close any roads, which is really the problem or the challenge, certainly here in the states and certainly probably anywhere else, but. Yeah, it's very easy to set up, and if you can have the portable pool, my gosh, you could you could do it in someone's backyard. <laughs> I mean, it would be awesome. <laughs> have it at John's house. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, um, Barry, you know, like, you're, you're obviously pretty high up in triathlon in, in the States. You know, there is talk about, in the Olympics, the distance changing. What's your view on that, and do you see it actually changing before Rio? Yeah, I read, um, I certainly read some of the blogging on that. I forget, who was it that brought that up? Uh, Tim Don, I think Tim Don, yeah. Tim Don, um, yeah, I, don't, I, I certainly, for one, don't see it happening. I see the the relays happening, and and uh, of course the mixed relays, and uh, I, I I hope it stays at the Olympic distance. Personally, oh, I think you're going to be wrong, Barry. Oh, you, you think John? John oh, we've got controversy here. Uh, I, I think it's going to happen, and I've heard you do. I've I've, I've heard rumorings. Uh, well, I don't know if it's official yet, but there's going to be some changes on the. Uh, the ITU circuit this season, and one and one race in particular is going to be pretty awesome. But I'll uh, I'll wait till that gets officially announced. Um, well, yeah, there's going to be some there's going to be some changes. Well, I, I would you know I'm always looking for excitement and change, and 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 I I certainly welcome it. I, I mm. we'll have to wait and see, huh? We will. No, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Um, you're also involved in in the hit series, Barry, and I'm just keen to to find out how that's going. And um, you know, because the, the feedback we're getting was initially um, they were weren't they were struggling getting a few things not quite right in terms of courses and, and marshals, just just little things like that. But then recently, the feedback we've been getting is is a lot more positive, and and um, and just across the board, it seems like it's going in, in a better direction. So, how are things going with with the hits? Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. It got off to a bit of a challenging start. They they, they were so aggressive, you know, coming out of the shoot with setting up 10 weekends of races and 10 full distance triathlons and 10 Olympics and 10 halves. And, you know, yeah, I think there were some some pieces that weren't put into place perhaps, but over the year it got increasingly better. And I've been to the last three events and uh, I, I saw some very, very positive things. The feedback from the athletes is extremely positive, better and better each event, um, and as well as the level of participation. Um, I, you mentioned uh, at the last show that you know they had, 
I forget, 40 or 50 people in the full distance. And hmm. I think about a hundred and a half, or maybe it was a couple hundred and a half um, in Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, getting over a thousand people now or 1400 people um, over the weekend. So I think, yeah, they're, they're definitely going in the right direction. I think a lot of people questioned whether they were in it for the long haul. And I can tell you they, they absolutely are. Um, they're very passionate about the sport. And in fact, the owner of HITS is doing his first full distance triathlon in Naples, Florida in January. Nice. So I think the other thing that speaks to it is several of the professionals are starting to show interest in, um, in the events. Paul Amy has raced at the last, last two races in Palm Springs and Lake Havasu, Arizona, um, What's he We've doing had, racing then? What's um? Is he was it? Did he do the half, the Olympic, or the full? Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, he did in Lake Havasu, Arizona. He did the half on Saturday and the Olympic on Sunday. That sounds like Paul Amy to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's no and, surprise. And then last weekend in Palm Springs, he did the half on Saturday, but was so tired from it. Obviously, very tired. He he came on Sunday, but did not race the Olympic. Right, but uh, uh, he's still pushing it. At what? I don't know. Is he forty? Forty one? Thirty nine? Uh, he'll so, be he'll be pushing forty. Yeah, he'll be plus forty plus or minus one year. I'd say. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And leads a very active life, doesn't he, John? He, he does indeed. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way of putting it. <laughs> um, yeah. The other one of the other big pieces of news we had last week was Chrissy Wellington. Um, officially retiring for, for good but from the sounds of it and uh, we Bevan and I were discussing whether she'd been beaten at all um, and we seemed to pull up one result that we could remember but we weren't sure if there's more but you seem to think there was only one one result where she, she was uh, beaten out of first place at a at a 70.3. Yeah, I remember it very, very, very well. Um, she was living and training in Boulder at the time and called <laughs> me on a Monday and said, can I do your uh, your half on, on Sunday? And of course you said, no, no way. Yeah. We, we don't want to rip <laughs> Who are you? Like you. <laughs> yeah. uh, and of course I said, sure, you know. And um, she was really nice and all, all was awesome. But then like on, I think on Wednesday, I, I, I called her and said, hey, look, as long as you're doing the race, maybe you can, uh, you know, on Saturday, you know, pack it, pick up, you know, do a panel talk with a couple of the other athletes. And she kind of flipped out on me. I mean, she, she got real stressed and said, hey, look, I'm not, you know, I'm trying to make a big deal of this. And it, was, it wasn't Chrissy, you know, it was kind of weird. And then lo and behold, I find out on Friday, that was the week that she had left Simon Lesson. And oh, so okay. her head was really um, probably not 100. It definitely wasn't 100 percent that week. There was a lot going on. And at that level, as you guys know, you, you got to be 100 yep. percent. Well, she still showed up on Sunday. Um and 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 gave it a, a great effort, but Julie Divins did beat her uh, pretty pretty handily. Um, took it out on her on the bike. Uh, I was out on the course, and it was unbelievable the gear that she was pushing. I, I don't know what she was think. I mean, it was even a much bigger gear than I'd seen her use in the past. And she got beat pretty handily by Julie. I think that was the only, to the best of my knowledge, the only half that mm. she has ever beaten that but i would put it a little bit in, in all due respect to julie who's phenomenal obviously and was on for the day and definitely wanted the challenge um i'd put a little asterisk there just because of the whole 
uh, deal with her coaching situation that week. What's your feel, or what's the feel in Boulder around Chrissy retiring? It doesn't seem like to a lot of the athletes we were talking to in Kona, it's, it didn't seem like a surprise that she would retire. You know, a lot of them said, we just feel she's moved on. But, you know, is there, is there much talk happening in Boulder around this? There really isn't. I think we all know, and, and I've said it, I, it's, I said it a year ago, you know, and I always use the line, she's just bigger than sport. You know, she's just at another She's just at another level. I love Craig Alexander. The guy's a gentleman and a scholar. I mean, he's a wonderful guy, family guy, good person, et cetera. But he's a tri- you know, he's a triathlete and, and he's a great triathlete. Chrissy is is bigger than that. She's bigger than the, you know, the Alexanders and the Maccas and the, you know, even Paula Newby Frazier and, and some of the other greats. She just has a lot more to give to the world. And if you look at her life in its entirety, and you read her book closely and you get to know her at all, you know, this was just one phase of her life that she almost had to do. Um, you know, the success came so quickly. I mean, she had to see what she could do and we all saw what she could do. And I always say she's going to save, you know, she's set to save the world. That's what she's meant to be. And um, I, I just think it's awesome. I'm not surprised at all. I've been in touch with her and I, I just think she's a, a terrific individual and a person. As well as, you know, you guys, I think you guys had a great discussion last week or a couple of weeks ago on, you know, whether she was the greatest, greatest uh, triathlete or greatest Ironman triathlete there's been. And, and um, I think you guys look at her the right way. You know, she's just bigger than sport. That's all. Yeah. Who knows? This interview might not even uh, get on air because isn't the world supposed to finish on... Uh, 20, the 12th, 20, isn't it? 21st 20, or the 12th. 21st. And we're planning on putting this up over the Christmas break. So, so wow. if you're listening to this, the world has you, you made it. You made it through. And Chrissy is our saviour. Yes. <laughs> you have to save the world. Uh, <laughs> uh, what, what, one other thing we're just going to um, grab off you before you before you go because we know you're um, off on a, on a flight probably to the Bahamas or somewhere somewhere tropical. Um, you, you mentioned Iron Cowboy and... Uh, He's one of the fellows who's uh, been going out there and setting all sorts of records um, oh around the world. And uh, James Lawrence, who's yeah, just just pulling up heaps and heaps of records, and you, you seem to know him fairly well. Yeah, he, the the guy's unbelievable. When when I was sitting back, you know, at home reading about him earlier in the year, I was thinking, oh, here's another one of those guys that does things just to you know whatever, get some publicity or maybe raise some money or whatever. This guy's a legitimate. He just became obsessed with doing 30 full distance or Ironmans in in a year. Um, He, you know, when I interviewed him last week at at the weekend that he was hitting his 30th, the first question I asked him is the same question everybody asks me, is he independent, is he wealthy? How is he paying for all this? Yeah, well, you got to think it, don't you? Obvious question. And he he said, I'm broke. He said, (laughs) we have money in the bank. We've spent everything. And then when I asked his wife the same question, she laughed. And she basically said, we figured a way to live on basically nothing for the year. They have five kids. They have four girls and a boy. And, and they, they're just scrimping by for one year so that he can fulfill this dream. And the guy is good. He's got like a 10-18 P. I think his first one of the year was like low 10-hour you know, full distance, um, all by himself. Um, he's had many in the 10 and 11 hour range. And then the two, two of them ago, he did a, a Ricky and Dick Hoyt where he pulled a, a kid with several palsy 
in a Did raft. He really? Yeah. yeah, in wow. a raft, a swim on the bike. He 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 put, towed him, and he pushed him on the run. I mean, the guy, the guy's incredible. Nice. Oh, it's crazy. So if anybody wants to support him, um, go to try and give a damn.com. So exactly. Awesome, Barry. Um, we love having you on the show. You always got a lot to to offer, and we would love to have you back on a yeah regular basis because um, we, we you've do, got insight again. Here's a point here. You got more insight. Well, hey, hey, I want to thank you guys. In all respect, you guys do a great job and keep us up to date and keep us motivated. I listen to you always when I'm out on either my bike or my run. Yep. And we'll uh, we'll see what happens with the ITU. See who see what happens yeah. over the next few years. We'll keep that as an ongoing on Triple T at the Olympics. There we go. No, what is it called? F one at the Olympics. F- I don't know if we F one. I'm I'm picking sprint distance, but um, multi lap sprint distance is what I'm picking. And you and Tim Me and Tim Don. You and Tim Don. There you go. Hey, thanks for your time, mate. Hey, thank you. See you guys. So, what do you think? It's all good. You know, it's, whenever we do these interviews, a few weeks we did that one uh, sort of early early. December, yeah, and uh, and, and, and more news has come out since then in terms of uh, some of the ITU stuff we discussed last week. You know, the new race in Kitzbühel where they're riding up a mountain, and uh, yeah, I re- I'm really pleased to see ITU taking a, um, a progressive sort of step in terms of diversifying because the Olympic distance was starting to get a little bit old. <coughs> in terms of uh, you know races looking a bit similar, so I think it'd be awesome if we just have a. The, the best triathlete through the season, you know, have hill, hill climbing races, have Olympic distance up. races, have sprints. Um, I don't know if they want to mess with the format in terms of the order of the sports, but um, yeah, a, a variety of courses I think will be. Do you think they're lot- contemplating that? Uh, got no idea. Okay. I, I, I wouldn't have thought so. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, Barry's talking about the F1 style. F1, that sounded really cool, didn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, Potentially, I think it's a great way. Um, and as Barry said, you know why the Aussies did so well in the '90s is um, they were brought up on that stuff, getting fast. There's quite a big difference for, at the elite level, I think, between sprint and Olympic. I think for the uh, the guys that are at the top at the moment, they'd be winning regardless of the distance. You know, the Brownleys and, and Gomez and, and what have you. But I think we would see a bit of a difference for those placings. You know, five through twenty. Um, that the short course is is, is a bit faster. Um, well, you, younger man sport you, you yeah exactly you, like the Bevins in that, of the world who are now retired but you know in their later years they probably wouldn't have had to stand the game with the yeah it's just a bit quicker the younger guys can come through a little bit quicker um, you just don't need quite that big aerobic endurance in terms of the bike you know 40k's on the bike just takes that bit more out of you and 10k run is quite a bit further than 5k run um, so I think you would see some differences but at this stage I think you'd still see the same winners so no it's exciting times ahead in the next few years yeah watch out for triathlon okay sponsor SLS try and what did I have down here Bevan I said uh, oh yeah hits race we talked we talked at the start of the show about the expanding races through through the world and and, and with Barry yeah with Barry and uh, hits SLS try are associated with hits so if you're ever going to one of their races I'm sure they'll be at most of them in the expo area so go go check them out say hello because that's one that one area where the hits are making a bit of a a difference is is you know they're having races in the off in, in the North American off season. You know they've got a race coming up in January, so go and check them out. And if you see Alice are there, go and check it out. You can go and uh, try on try on some gear. And if you are the person who wants to try on the gear before you try, SLS have got um you know they're not just an online business. Um, they've got a a bunch of dealers and. Uh, and yeah, if you guys are training for marathons and stuff, as a lot of you will be at this time of the year in the Northern Hemisphere, compression socks, gold. 
absolute but gold, gold. The absolute gold, John. And mm. nowadays, you, it's accepted that you look cool. Yes. At you, first, John, you thought you looked like a schmuck. You, yeah, and you did. But time's but now changing. he's now that he thinks it's cool, you're no longer a schmuck. You're cool. It's fashion, Bevan. It's as simple as that, team. So I always go on about the girls' butterfly socks. I got these lovely blue butterfly socks. You get yourself a nice little pair of. I'm going to get some for light me. blue so- yeah. light blue shoes. Consider it done. Bugger the present you got for Joe. Get yourself get her some some socks and a new pair of shoes. Oh, it's Bevan. too late now. Yeah, well. Next year. Next year. Next year. Okay, guys. We're, what we're going to do right now is we're going to put on the... Remember the promo code I am talk whenever you get anything at SLS Try. Good work, SLSTry.com. Okay, so we've got um, Fitness Behaviors, the other podcast I do, well, a podcast I do by myself, actually, and uh, I'm really into the mind of fitness, and it's kind of my buzz and where I kind of put my attention into when I create content around that, and uh, it's a show that I do monthly. I only do it once a month, and uh, this year I've got variety of shows but there's a couple that I think are quite applicable to athletes so this one's called the process challenge and um, I'm going to chuck it on right here and you guys can have a listen and hopefully you can apply some stuff from it so here is fitness behavior this show is a really fascinating show for me because it's been a big shift in my thinking probably in the last probably six to eight months around um, what it takes to be successful. And, you know, I've been someone who's been a very goal-orientated person really since the age of 20, and I'm currently 34, nearly 35. And uh, and so, for, you know, for around 14, 15 years of my life, I've, I've really been someone who's stuck to setting goals, having having targets to aim towards and stuff. And, and to be honest, in the last probably eight months to a year, I've had a real big shift in the way – I do these this goal setting, or maybe not even goal setting as such, because to be honest, I'm I'm doing less goal setting now, um, which you're going to find out in today's show. And and but some things have really influenced the way I think around certain areas. And you know, nowadays I'm very fortunate that I get to work with people one on one, and I find it so rewarding. I'm really lucky in my life because I get um, I get to work with groups, and I love working with groups. I do enjoy. The idea of working with groups of people, I love the energy of it, I love um, the challenge of it, I love the social dynamic and, and how can you create a, a social environment that makes people be successful in the thing they're trying to go towards, it's kind of the question I always have in my head and uh, and I'm very fortunate that I have lots of outlets for that, so I teach group fit, I've got my running businesses and then I get to influence, you know, through shows like this one where I get to, you know, every month come along and maybe share some knowledge with you guys or some experience from people I know that can help you bring some concepts into your life that, you know, maybe help you be successful. And then the other area which I've been doing for around 18 months now is personal coaching. And I, I limit it to 10 people at one time and um, I because I, I always think a good balance of everything I do is, is the formula I'm aiming for but I love the personal coaching I'm very lucky in that I have amazing clients first of all all my clients are absolutely fantastic and uh, but it's also really really rewarding because when you work with someone I kind of work as a personal coach as and you kind of see me every week and the amount of growth that uh, the people I work with just it's pretty massive really and, and it's so rewarding from my perspective looking in to see these people develop themselves so much and um, so, you know, I, I love it. I suppose that's what I'm trying to say. But through that, the, the personal coaching role and through my own experience around goal setting, I've made some real discoveries recently which have been quite, quite profound in the way we look about success in people's lives and the way that we can 
think about the best way to focus our attention towards success. And today's show is really going to come from that place. It's going to come from the place of maybe some ideas that you haven't heard before and maybe I, you know, maybe you'll be able to put it together by the end of the show and, and maybe think of a formula that you can implement into your life that will help you to become you know, that best version of yourself that I often talk about. So um, I've got a few emails at the end of the show to kind of wrap up and kind of, you know, I get lots of emails from you guys, which is really great. And I've got a few emails coming through and I'll, I'll kind of give a bit of a wrap up of everything at the end of the show. But anyway, there was my waffling section going. I'm going to get straight into the show right now. So uh, here we go. Sponsor. Athlinks.com. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, if it's been a good year for your racing this year. It is. Now's the time to update it. That's right. It's Put Christmas it Day. Did Christmas you? Day. So we, we, we often get slack with uh, keeping things updated and, and, and a lot of you guys will be on Christmas break. So now is the time to go through, basically claim all your results from the year if you haven't done it. Get them up there, and um, I've been using. I have been using Athletics more and more recently because I've got a lot of athletes doing um, different races that I'm not quite sure on their previous bests, and, and most of them have been fantastic, keeping Athletics up to date, like 10Ks and things like that. And oh, good. You quickly go in there, and from from a coaching point of view, I can quickly see, you know, um, whether that was a PB, and you can look at 5K times, and it's just a really, really easy way to uh, to source what your PBs are. Some people are really not good at. PBs understanding <laughs> you were at PBs, but but remembering what their best performances were, and um, it's a pain in the ass. I mean, I find it pre- prepping for the show is going through and trying to find the results from the different different uh, races, and you got to filter this and filter that and filter the other thing. And so, if you are just trying to get a good summary of uh, of all your results in one place, Athlinks is where it's all at. Mm, it is really great. So, um, and they are bringing out the new feature where you can. Uh, do you do your what if factor where you can go in there and say well, what if I was uh, what if I was just a little bit quicker on the run where would I've sort of finished in the in in my age group or um, if you if you know the sort of magical number that it you can often make a big difference to a mm. like if you're in a race and you know two minutes can sometimes be quite a lot of placings mm-hmm. you know, obviously depending on the field of the race and the size of the field but. You know, sometimes, you know, just a little bit makes a massive I mean, yeah. difference. I mean, if you were doing a 400 metre race and you, you altered your time by two minutes. <sighs> you'd be world champ. You could be, you could be going places. What would you do 400 metres in? Uh, I would not be fast. You know, I think six, 60, 60 seconds is like your, probably like your four minute mile marker or your sort of sub nine. Yeah. I wouldn't go sub 60. No way. No, they'd be, they'd be smoking. It's 15 yeah. seconds for every 100, isn't it? You wouldn't be yeah. far off 60. No, I would. A little bit of training, you'd be right. Okay, I'll go with it. A little bit of training. You're, you're always very generous to me when you when you talk about my run times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah with well, short stuff. John! Oh, I talked about it on last week's show. <laughs> yeah, I just talked about that <laughs> last week. So, athlinks.com, uh, keep everything updated, keep it in one place, and uh, lay a bit of smackdown for, for some of your mates on there, set up your rivals, and uh, and for the new year, lay a bit of smackdown. Look, look at your times, look at your rivals' times, and say, buddy, you're going down in 2013. Nice, you're going downtown, and I'm going to prove it here on Athlinks. Mm. Bring it on. So get on athletics.com, guys. Put all your results up there. It's a great place to store your athletic history. If you think back to the show I did on goal setting, it's probably a year or so ago now, on the idea of trying to find the way that you're going to be most successful at goal setting and that really goal setting in itself isn't necessarily something that is the same for everybody. The kind of, I suppose, if there was an overall message for that podcast, it was 
learn the way that you have been successful around goal setting in life and, and let that evolve as you evolve in character and experience and development of self and you know and, and that was kind of saying you know the idea of smart goals while it's a good kind of base rule to start with doesn't necessarily work with everybody and really what you can do is you can look to times where you've been successful in the past and try to find a duplicate those things and and, and and I've always been a goal setter so today's show is going to be a bit around my experience and a bit around some stuff I've learned recently that I, th- I really think you can implement and, and for me I, I see this as a big step forward and well I know because the stuff I'm going to talk about today I've been practicing myself and I've used it with one of my clients but being someone who's set a lot of goals I remember often I used to say to myself when I was talking about people was or talking about myself to people around my goal setting, I say, I'm only ever as good as the goal requires me to be. I say it again, I'm only ever as good as the goal requires me to be. So where does that come from? Well, often what would happen was, I would set a goal for a period. So I, I traditionally would do goals every three to kind of six months, probably three to four months more realistically. I'd sit down and pretty much spend a day kind of reassessing where I'm at, where am I trying to go, how am I going to get there and, and benefits and who will it affect, who's going to make me help, you know, be successful and those types of questions. And and when I said in the goal, it really started from what was the outcome I desired? You know, what was I trying to aim for in the different areas of my life? Now, for me, I, I often would set goals around maybe three to five different areas. I, I learned pretty early on that you can't be great at 12 things at once, that you can you can achieve pretty successfully and pretty highly around three or four things, probably better off to say three at, at a high level and really focus on those things. Or Again, that's what works for me. And so what I would do is in my first part of my goal setting process, I'd spend a lot of time trying to find the outcome that would be the ultimate motivator. And I'd have periods where, you know, the outcome was a real driver. I can think back to the last time I did an Ironman. Uh, this was around three years ago now, and I did an Ironman in Germany. And it was my very last Ironman. I knew I was going to be retiring after this race. And I was very motivated to to get a sub-nine-hour Ironman. It was kind of like my big goal. And so the goal in itself was a really great goal because I really, really wanted to achieve this goal. And so as I sat down and did my goals, I, I basically created a life plan for the next four months to get me to the finish line as fast as possible and give me the highest chance of achieving that sub-nine-hour mark. And then there were other times where you'd set goals where, you know, you may set a goal of going to do, I can't actually remember any in particular, but I would set goals that they weren't that motivating at the end of the day, that the outcome I desired, like the idea of, I can remember one, and uh, it was in an off season, I decided I'd do a marathon just to kind of keep me kind of fit, you know, in the winter season over, over winter. And, you know, deep down, that wasn't really a big driver for me as an athlete. And so I, you know, I set this goal of doing a marathon and I wrote out this plan. But at the end of the day, I, you know, I kind of half-heartedly went through the goal and, and I did an okay race, but it wasn't the same as doing my last Ironman where I was willing to lay everything down. And so at the time, I used to think to myself that getting the goal right was of, of utmost importance. You know, if I could find the outcome that was motivating enough in myself, then I would find a level of self that would help me achieve massive things. And so, you know, that's why the goal setting process was kind of important. I would, you know, devote a lot of time trying to make sure that 
that kind of the carrot that I dangled in front of myself was a carrot that I really desired because from experience I'd learned that if the carrot wasn't the right carrot I wasn't really going to be as motivated to be you know the, the better version of myself so if we look back to those times when I set my goals it was always here's an outcome I'm trying to set and I was hopeful that the outcome would be a motivator enough to make me be a high level and a higher level I should say in self but what was really the point of trying to find that outcome you know if we look at the two different sites here sometimes I'd, I'd find the outcome that the carrot I suppose as I'll use as an analogy here the carrot that really did drive me to sprint towards it and then other times I'd I'd have a carrot that was you know it was a slow walk towards it and if I succeeded well in setting the right outcome, I'd achieve a lot. And if I didn't, I'd, I'd probably still get some growth, but not to the level that I ultimately wanted. But really, the point of having the outcome there was that if I had the right outcome, I had better behaviours for the period leading up to that time. I'll give the two examples. So the first time when I did the Christchurch Marathon, and that was, the, that was when the carrot wasn't so much of an appealing outcome for me, the idea of getting up and training in cold days wasn't as appealing. The idea of getting up and doing a really hard run, you know, going getting out the door and actually smacking yourself, suddenly I, I didn't have the motivation to do that. I, I kind of had the bare minimal amount to achieve this goal. You know, I wasn't as disciplined with my rest strategies. I wasn't disciplined with my eating. I, I kind of would go out late sometimes on the weekend and, and to the detriment of my own training. And so... Because the carrot or the outcome wasn't that appealing, I didn't have to do the best behaviours in myself to achieve that goal. And then if we look at the flip side to that into my last Ironman, like I look at that period, there was basically a four-month period leading up to that race, and I look at it so fondly as, as one of the highlights of my life because in that time, I did everything it took to be successful. And it was a really interesting time as well because there was a time where... Um, the business side of myself was was really excelling. The time where um, I, my group fitness world was really excelling. I was doing some important work within there. There was a time where I was training like like I didn't even miss a session. Every session I hit, I hit hard. I re- my rest strategies were good. I ate well. It was like every day I was making perfect decisions around what it takes for me to achieve my outcome. And during this time, I experienced what it was like to be the best version of myself. But looking at this now, as as I look back now and as as I lead into where we're going with today's conversation, was that in the past, I was trying to find the perfect outcome that would then lead me towards my best behaviours. I'll say it again. In the past, I was trying to find the perfect outcome that would lead me towards my best behaviours. If I found that right outcome, I would have these amazing behaviours. And if I didn't have the right outcome, I wouldn't have them to the same level. And now I'm going to kind of talk in this in another slight different language, the idea of the processes. So I'm going to talk about Rote and I'm going to talk about Christchurch. When I talk about Rote, that's my, my Ironman where I was great and Christchurch is my marathon where I wasn't so great. So my Ironman when I was great, I had amazing time management. You know, I know when I'm working at my best, I sit down on a Sunday afternoon and I time manage my week and think about what I have coming up. When I'm in my great place, when I was in doing my Ironman and wrote, 
I sat down every day before I went out the door and did my training session and thought about what am I trying to achieve in this session and how can I make sure I get the most out of the session. So I'd sit down even before I go out the door and just spend a couple of minutes visualizing, talking about, thinking about the sets that I had to do and really get the most out of the session. You know, what music will I listen to? Who am I going to train with that's going to push me harder? Whereas when I was training for Christchurch, I just put my shoes on and went out the door. Really what I was doing at that time was I was trying to find an outcome that would make me have the best behaviours in myself in a day-to-day way. Ultimately, when I have the perfect outcome, my behaviours improve, which then makes me a higher level me. And this got me thinking recently around the idea of a process-driven athlete. So I thought I'd tell you a bit of a story. Recently I got to interview a guy called Simon Whitfield. Now Simon Whitfield is um, the Olympic gold medalist for the first triathlon at the Sydney Olympics in 2000. Leading into the Olympics, Simon Whitfield was an up-and-coming athlete who you know a few people knew of, but he hadn't really done a significant amount of his career at that stage. So he had nothing to prove. You know, he kind of went along and he just thought, I'm just going to have a good time and I'm just going to focus on the process that it takes to make me great. You know, his always energy was around, what are the things that I can do? To, the, I suppose the behaviours, if you use a process, it can be behaviours at the same time. What are the behaviours and the processes that I can do as an athlete to be as successful as possible in this race? Now in this interview he talks about how you know in the race he wasn't really worried about the outcome as such, it was he was thinking about was what's the thing that I can control right now, what are the behaviours I have to do to be successful, and even as he led up to the race you know it was all that stuff, what is the process, what are my behaviours, how can I do those to the best of my ability to give me the best opportunity to win this race. Now he then went on to win the, simp- the gold medal at the Olympic Games so obviously he was pretty successful. After the Olympics, Simon then went on to become one of the top triathletes in the world over the next few years. He went on to win the the Commonwealth Games gold medal. He went on to win quite a few iconic races within triathlon. And four years later, he then went back to the Athens Olympics. And at this time, he was now one of the bigwigs. He was one of the guys that everyone else was looking out for. And he was saying in our interview that for him at this time, It was about proving himself. It was a little bit about ego and it was a little bit about showing that he was the man in the sport and that, you know, he's the guy to watch out for, you know, kind of, it was more from an ego place. And that when his focus was on that place, he wasn't necessarily focused on what are the behaviours or the processes that make me the best athlete that I can be. Went to Athens and he had a ter- you know he had a terrible race. I don't know his exact placing, but he didn't medal and and ultimately at that time he probably felt he would have been the gold medal winner. So, you know at that time that was the disaster. Then four years later he then went back to Beijing for the Olympics in Beijing, and he looked at his last two Olympic experiences. The first time where he focused on the behaviours and the processes it took to be the best version of himself. And then the second time when he went to Athens and he focused on the ego and the proving of self and the difference it made to his outcomes. So then when he went back to Beijing in in China, he thought to himself, I'm not even going to worry about my ego. All I'm going to do is focus on the processes that makes me successful in this race. He then went on to get a silver medal at the Olympic Games. And when we talked to him, he really attributed that race to the fact that he just focused on what are the best processes that I can have in my life to be successful. 
when you talk to a lot of of high level athletes, when admittedly I talk to a lot of triathletes because it's kind of the world I know, but when you talk to a lot of these guys and girls and you talk to the ones who have achieved pinnacle things, the word process driven athlete comes up a lot. You know, I think we, we, when you're watching sport, you think it's all about emotion, it's all about this, and, and you know, they're just born with this talent and they can just pull it off. But really, when you, when you actually listen to them, they, they have these processes that they have in place that make them the best version of themselves. And there is a sense of, if I can control these processes, then I can have a better outcome. And if we look at Simon's example, you know, if, if you look at the three different Olympics, at the Sydney Olympics, he focused on the process. What are the things that he can do to give himself the best opportunity to win? And then when he went to the um, Athens Games, his focus was on, I want to win this race. It was on the outcome. And then lastly, when he went back to Athens and got the silver medal, he then focused on, what is the process that makes me successful again? This really got me thinking, you know, that I had this interview recently and, and it kind of reinforced some of the thinking I've been doing recently and it really got me thinking about the way I'd been setting goals up to in the past. Now, as I was talking about earlier, the way I would set goals in the past was that I was aiming for an outcome and if the outcome was good, I was great. But if the outcome wasn't so motivating, I wasn't so great. It's not that I was bad, but, you know, I wasn't as sharp as I could be. So this got me thinking around the idea of setting goals in a different way. And it got me around the idea of maybe not trying to set goals around an outcome. It got me into the idea of setting goals around the process that I do when I'm in my greatest place. What are the things that I do when I'm in my sharpest place as possible? And this is where I'm really lucky as, as a personal coach is that I, I get to spend time with people trying to figure out what is the thing that drives them to be the best version of themselves. And so around this time, and if you're one of my clients listening to this, I'm sure you identify because I use this a lot with a lot of my clients, not all of them, but with, with you know some of my clients I use this stuff. And around this time, I started the idea of the process challenge. And so what I'd do is I'd, I'd get a client and you know we'd, we'd establish what were the behaviours they had when they were at their greatest place? And they might look at the different areas of their lives and they might find out that, okay, well, um, you know, when, I, when I'm doing my best, I have really good time management. When I'm doing my best, I sleep this much. When I'm doing my best, you know, around eating, I tend to plan my lunch better. So like, for example, if I'm eating well, I take my lunch to work. If I'm eating poorly, I leave it late, I leave for work, and then I end up having fast food at lunchtime. And if anything, when I have fast food, I have too much fast food. That there is processes that you've used in your past that have made you really, really successful. So what I tend to do with my clients is we spend a lot of time trying to figure out what are those processes that you've used in the past that have made you the most successful in the areas you're trying to excel in. And obviously as a coach, sometimes I'll introduce concepts as well, but you know, we spend a lot of time, first of all, just trying to figure out what are those things. And I'm going to give you an example of this in a minute that I use with my running group recently. And so, we, you know, what are the things, you know, think about yourself. When you're rested well, do you perform better? Or on the flip side of that, if you've had a lack of sleep, do you perform poorly the next day? Like let's say, for example, for you, eight hours sleep is the optimal amount of sleep that you know if you get eight hours sleep you just feel great the next day but if you only have five hours sleep you know you're going to perform poorly the next day 
Now, if we think of that, that really simple formula, that eight hours I perform well, five to six hours I perform poorly, we now know that one of your processes is to try get eight hours sleep as often as possible in your life. That by doing that, your outcomes in the next day are going to be better because your process is delivering a better version of yourself the next day. I'm going to share with you uh, something I do with my running groups as well around process-driven thinking. But I thought I'd share an example of me around rest. Um, I've got an iPhone, and, and, and if you know me, I like my Apple products. I'm a bit of an Apple geek. And when I first got my iPhone, I got into the tendency of playing iPhone games. And as you do, because they're pretty cheap and they're pretty easy to play. And and I'd often go to bed around, Joe and I, we go to bed around 9.30, 10 most nights because I'm always up around 5.30. And Joe and I would, you know, spend some time together and then she'd tend to tend to turn over and then I would start playing my iPhone games. Now, when I was playing my iPhone games, Joe may turn over at 10, then I would start to around 11.30 playing iPhone games in my bed which would then mean, because I often get up around 5.15, 5.30 most mornings, that I was only really getting about six hours sleep of quality sleep a night. Now for me, I can live on six hours sleep, but it's not the best version of myself. If I really want to get into the next day, you know, firing all guns blazing, I really need around seven to seven and a half hours of sleep. So the process of playing iPhone games was actually taking me away from being the best version of myself. Now, in the past, what I would have done is, is I would have known that deep down my iPhone staying up late was making me perform poorly the next day, but I would only stop playing my iPhone games if I, was, if I had the right outcome. So if I was training for that, you know, rote Ironman or challenge rote, if I was training for that race, I would have put my iPhone down because I knew that I needed that extra sleep. But if I was training for the marathon, I would have played my iPhone games because deep down I knew I could get by without you know, with only six hours sleep and, 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 the, and the carrot wasn't enough. But that's where the process-driven goals or the process challenge, which I'm going to talk to you guys about in a minute, is completely different. That really, ultimately, my aim is to perform at my highest level as often as possible. And that what I can do is I can establish what are the habits that I do when I'm my best version and how do I set a challenge around that. So with the iPhone games, the real example that I was just talking about there, that I know that I'm going to have a better day tomorrow if when I go to bed, I put my iPhone down and I pick up my Kindle and read a book. Reading a book at night time just puts me to sleep. I can, and a good night, I can probably last half an hour, and but most of the time I'm asleep within 15 minutes of starting to read a book, which means immediately it takes me forever to read a book, but that's okay. So, you know, two different examples. First example, when I'm not that focused, is um, I'll sit up play iPhones to 11.30, getting only six hours sleep. Second example is I pick up my Kindle or I read a book for around 15, 20 minutes. I'm asleep by around 10, 10.30. I get around seven and a half hours sleep or seven to seven and a half hours sleep then the next day I wake up as the better version of myself. That there's a process around sleep that I have when I'm in my great version and there's a process I have when I'm in my not so great version. Now as I've alluded to quite a few times already in the show, in the past I was trying to find the outcome that would make me want to have the great process of going to bed and reading a Kindle. That if the, if the outcome was great, I would go to bed and read a Kindle and if the outcome wasn't so good, I would use my iPhone. 
But recently I thought to myself, well, how about we do things a little bit different? How about I not focus on an outcome at all? How about I focus on setting a challenge which is around the behaviours and the processes I have when I'm in my greatest place? You know, what are the, 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 the habits and processes I have in, in all areas of my life when I'm at my highest level and how can I set up a challenge where I'm trying to do that every day of my life? Because really, if I can get the processes right, I'm going to be a high-level version of myself. And the outcomes will come because of that. Like if I sleep better, the next day I'm going to perform better. If I sleep poorly, the next day I'm not going to perform so well. So if I can get those processes working well, then how can I do it? I thought I'd share, share what I'm doing with one of my running groups right now. You know, um, I've, I've got a running group for a half marathon and one of the really frustrating things around, well not frustrating, but one of the things around the running groups is that we've set up this business where we do a 10 week package to a half marathon and it's um, it's everything you need to know. We have seminars, we send you weekly newsletters, we have three group training sessions a week and it's really motivating and, and we create an amazing culture where people develop and get friendships and all the rest of it and the business has been going for around three years now and it's particularly the half marathon distance and, and we find that what we do really well is when the people with us, they are great. So and I suppose ultimately, what do they get with us? Well, with us, they get the physical. They get to train with, with like-minded people and they, and they push harder than what they would by themselves. So they get coaches there who can help them, you know, strengthen and, and change their technique to make them better and, and all the rest of it. So when they're with us, we find that in the 10 weeks they train with us, their physical, they are phenomenal. They train to a higher level they have normally trained. They get the wicked physical results and, you know, they get a lot of benefit from that. But to be successful as an athlete, it's, it's more than just training. You know, to be successful as an athlete, you need great rest strategies. To, be, to give yourself the, the best chance of being amazing, you have to eat well. You need to make sure that the people around you know what you're trying to achieve and how can they support you in that goal. You need good time management. You know, it's particularly if you're if you're not a full time athlete. You know, if you're a, if you're a full time athlete who only has to train four hours a day, well, your time management could probably be a little bit poorer. But if you're doing a forty hour week job and you've got a family and you're trying to train for a half marathon, you need good time management. For a runner, they they need to do some strength work, and and our group doesn't. You know, we mainly do the run training. We do a bit of core work and, and maybe a little bit of squats and stuff. But there's some other cross training around flexibility and and a little bit of strength work, which will be really beneficial for injury prevention and also for you know recovery strategies. And what we found with our runners is that sure, in the ten weeks they trained with us, they were legendary at one aspect of what they did: the physical training with the group. But all the other areas of their life, they pretty much just stayed in the same place they'd always been. That at rest, you know, generally not the greatest. Their nutrition would just stay where it was, whereas there could be room for improvement. Their time management would often hurt their training, if anything, because they were so busy that they might have to miss sessions or they come to sessions unfocused. You know, that their support network maybe wasn't that supportive of them, but that may have came down through the lack of communication. So as a business, we thought to ourselves, well, how can we make sure that we try to set it up so that these people can be more self-responsible in the areas that we can't influence because we're not there? And ultimately, I suppose that's what, you know, like if you spend 10 weeks with me and you, you do great training and then you go back to what you were, I kind of feel I've let you down a little bit because I want you to get gain from what we do. So 
what we did with this latest group is we spent some time in, in one of our first seminars and we basically broke down those areas that I just talked about, rest and nutrition, extra cross-training, your support network, nutrition, time management and setting objectives. And we basically said to each individual within the group, for you, what is the best you've experienced in those different areas? So let's look at sleep. When you're working at your best, or, or when you're rested at your best, which then means you can work at your best, how much sleep do you need each night? So you might say, for example, okay, well, when I'm at my best, I tend to sleep seven and a half hours a night. Okay, and do you have rest during the day? And you might say, yep, I'd like to have a little bit of an afternoon, you know, walk outside, lay down in the park, whatever that could be. What around nutrition? What are the habits? What are the processes that you have when you're eating the best that you can eat? Now, I'm not saying what are the foods you eat. I'm saying what are the habits that make you eat the best foods? So the example I used earlier could be, could be applicable here. You may say to yourself, well, I know I eat better if I plan my meals. If I get up in the morning and get up, you know, make my lunch for work and prepare a healthy meal, I know I'm going to eat better because then when I go to, you know, lunch comes at work, the food is there. Whereas if I don't prepare my meal, I tend to go to a fast food place and, you know, get fast food and, and like I said earlier, maybe a little bit too much fast food because those places are designed to resist the temptation. Also around nutrition, you know, I, I, when we did the seminar, some people were saying how for them, they eat better if they actually sit down and plan each meal for the week before they do the shopping. And other girl said for her to not go shopping after she's done a run because she knows she's hungry. These are the processes that these people use when they're in their best place. They plan their lunch. They plan their meals for the week. They don't shop when they're hungry. When they're in their best place around sleep, they, they sleep seven and a half, half hours sleep. We talked about, you know, your support network. When you're going towards any goal, you need the people around you to be supportive. That can be your loved ones, that can be your boss, it can be your children and so on. And, and the example I used is when you've, you know, you know that maybe in three weeks from now you're going to be doing a run. That means you have to leave work a little bit earlier because it's a little bit longer than normal. And if you were to go up to the boss on that afternoon and say, oh, look, can I leave work early today because I've got this run? Is your boss going to be that supportive of you? Whereas if you were to go up to them three weeks earlier and say, look, I've got this run coming up in three weeks. I really want to do it. And uh, I understand I'll have to leave work earlier that day. Maybe I can come in earlier or I can make up the time before or afterwards. Would your boss be reasonable in that situation? Around time management, when you've been really good at time management in the past, what did you do? Did you sit down every Sunday and do a time management planning session? Did you pack your bags the night before you did a training session? And so on. The other area which I won't really talk about here is, is how do you make sure you get quality training? And, and that was one of the things a lot of people said is that they pack their bags the night before they go training. But you can kind of see where I'm starting to go with this right now. That ultimately, we all have this certain level of behaviours that we do when we're at the best version of ourselves. So what we did in this seminar is we spent a lot of time establishing, well, in these different areas, sleep and rest, extra cross-training, support network, nutrition, and time management, what is what I called your best practices? You know, what's your best practice for sleep? What's your best practice with support networks, nutrition, and so on? Then what we did is we then set up the process challenge. 
see that when I was talking about the process challenge here, it was really based on what was your best in those areas. So I wasn't saying, we think you need to sleep nine hours a night to make sure that you're being the best version of yourself. We, we started from when you've been your best in these different areas, what were the processes that you had? So when I sleep seven and a half hours, I read my Kindle book and I fall to sleep. When I have a bad process, I play my iPhone games. So we established, you know, based on your needs, what are your best processes? And this is where the process challenge started to come in. So we established your best practices in the areas. And then we set a 10-week challenge with our aiming to have those processes as often as possible. So then the next step in the seminar was to ask people how often they are doing those things really well. So let's say, for example, the nutrition, that you know that planning your lunch and making your lunch before you go to work means you're going to eat better, which in theory means you're going to be a better version of yourself, that that process is what you're aiming for. How often realistically are you doing that right now? Now I saw different people with different percentages. I mean, I looked down and one lady was only hitting it 10% of the time. And then other people were saying, oh, I probably around 50% of the time. So then what we're trying to do is establish in the different areas where you're trying to progress, where are you right now with those best practices for yourself? Once we'd established that, then we set a goal around what would be a good target to move forward from there. And what I what I asked for them, I didn't want perfection. It wasn't about getting 100%. It wasn't that you were going to go and get seven and a half hours sleep every night of your life. It wasn't that you were going to pack your lunch every day. But what would be a realistic and slightly challenging step in moving towards better practices or better processes in the different areas that we had identified? So let's say, for example, just because pack your lunch is the one that keeps coming up, that you pack your lunch currently you did it two days a week which meant you had fast food three times a week do you think you could aim to pack your lunch four times a week and if so will that be your goal so now the challenge became packing your lunch four times a week why because we know that when you do that process of packing your lunch you eat healthier food and you don't overeat because you often resist to temptation food when you go down that path. So that process of packing your lunch actually makes you a better version of yourself. So then with my runners, once we basically established what were the best versions, the best practices in the different areas, and where are they right now, and then where's the target to go for, then we gave them basically a fridge star chart. Like, like you do with a nappy, you know, like for kids when they learn to toilet train. And we gave them the next 10 weeks. And we gave them a, a column for each different area, sleep and rest, extra cross-training, support network, nutrition, time management, and so on. And then they then had targets for each of the different areas for the best practices. So you might say for nutrition, out of seven days, you want to hit it five days for best practices, e.g. what's your best process. Within that, your aim is to get that five days a week for 10 weeks ongoing you kind of see where I'm going with this so so then what we did is they basically had to calculate you know on average if I'm going to do five times a week for 10 weeks I've got to get 50 marks over that time period in nutrition and if I can do that then I, I succeed in my process challenge you know after doing all these calculations they then had a plan they were aiming towards they were basically realistically what we've done is we'd figure out when they're at their best in these certain different areas what were 
the processes and behaviours they had. Where are they right now? And then where is a good step forward in these different areas? And then we actually set up a challenge by giving them a fridge magnet and, and, and what we're going to do is we establish this more and more is, is actually get them to buddy up with someone just to check out how their process challenge is going. Now, with the running group, this is the first time I did it, so I can't really talk to results yet, but, you know, talking to a few of the people after the seminar, they were saying, wow, this is really great because, A, it made them aware of how they can improve their behaviours and B, it put them towards their place, but over the last period of time with my personal clients, and, and, and it's different to what, you know, the running group is different to a personal client, but I've found that these people have been able to find a high level of self because of the process challenge. Now, like all things, I always think that if you're going to, you know, get people to try things, you need to do it yourself. So around four or five months ago, I thought, okay, well, I need to do a process challenge myself. And so I look back to those times, you know, where my outcome was a real driver. So I look back to the challenge wrote and I look back and I thought, well, if that was a four month period of my life where I felt I was being, you know, like just excelling at everything I did, what were the processes and our habits that I had at those times to make me the best version of myself. I'm actually just going to pull up my process challenge. I just actually finished about a week ago, so I next, I'm about to reset my new one because I want to evolve it, but I'm just pulling it up right now. Where's my little thing here? Process challenge. Here it is. So so for me, okay, so so in my eight weeks, I basically had around 10 things that I, that I know are behaviours that make me great. Some of them are, here we go, I'm just going to give you some of them. So uh, reading Kindle books at bedtime, which is what I've talked about a lot in the show. Second thing is to run, read my, my affirmations and do my visualization in the morning. I know when I'm the best version of myself, I do that. I know that when I don't do that, my pre-planning for the day is affected and I don't plan well. For me, doing a Sunday planning session is really, really effective and making sure my mind can be great at what I'm doing. Another thing that I do is, and I probably should do a show on this, is uh, set objectives for the task at hand. Um, I, I live in a very life where um, I kind of wake up in the morning and I have all day to do whatever I want to do, and I don't really have many time frames around other people's requirements of me, so I could easily waste a lot of time, but when I'm in my greatest place, I kind of sit down and go, okay, in the next couple of hours, this is what I'm trying to achieve. So if I'm going to jump on the piano, okay, I want to do this scale, I want to practice my song playing and, and so on. So setting objectives. Meditation is a best practice for me. Um, writing my nightly journal and so on. I had some around nutrition and all those things as well. So really for me in the eight weeks, I was trying to see if every day I could maintain those habits. Now I did pretty well. I think I did, I, I had to get a score of 50 every week and I think I averaged around 46. So I was 47, 46. So, you know, like I did pretty well. But what I discovered in myself was I was on this high level all the time. And for the first time in my life, I wasn't focused on the outcome that I was desiring. And I didn't even need the outcome to be at this high level. I wasn't so focused on trying to find that carrot, you know, as I used to say in the past, you know, if I have the right goal, I'll be amazing. This time, it was the process that was delivering the outcomes. I was achieving a lot of outcomes in different areas, but it wasn't because I was seeking an outcome, it was because I was trying to focus on maintaining the process. So what does this mean for you guys? Well, I think this is, is, is a great little project to try. I think it's worth spending some time thinking about 
different areas of your life. Now, I know I've talked a lot about my running groups here, and so those areas are specific to, you know, how can you be the best athlete? But if you start with that question of how can I be the best version of myself and what are the processes that I've done in the past in different areas to create that? And you may look to times when you had good goals or you may look to times where you felt you were succeeding or, or, you know, going really well. And then what were the things that you did that took you to that place? If we go back to the food analogy, did you pick your lunch? If you go to the sleep, did you get your seven and a half hours sleep? If you went to time management, did you do the things that you know you do well when you're time managing? Spend some time exploring what those things are. You know, maybe even try to find other tools, you know, as a, as a coach in my coaching sessions, I often introduce tools that people may not know, but some new tools that can help you be the better version of yourself. And then try to set up a challenge. And I, I think like a, a six to eight week challenge where you, you put a star chart on your fridge and every Monday, you know, every day you get home and you just go, did I do, did I do my visualization? Yes. Did I plan my lunch? Yes. And you just give yourself a tick. And your aim in the eight weeks is to get a percentage of that mark. So you might establish right now that of those best practices, you hit 50%. But in the eight weeks from here forward, you want to try to hit 80% of them. I found from experience with myself and with a lot of my clients and, and hopefully with my runners moving forward, that by focusing on the process and being a process-driven thinker and, and person, you live in a higher level of yourself. And that when you live in a higher level of yourself, the outcome you desire is always there. That the outcomes will come. And you no longer have to seek, I hope to be this thing. You just become it. So go on. Give it a try. Devote some time. Figure out your best practices. Become a process-driven thinker and practicer. And you'll find that you'll be the best version of yourself a lot more often. Oh, what do you think of my fitness behaviour? Outstanding, Bevan. Good to see you listen to it. See, I've got to have, I've just, I've got faith in you, Bevan, because I can't say I've ever listened to one of your fitness behaviours. So you've got faith in me. So I've, I've got faith in you that you're doing a good job. Well, I, you know what, I do, I do, it's, people seem to like the show, which is good. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. And if you do enjoy it, you, um, there is a workbook that I'll put on the website. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do the workbook. Yep, $3. It's only $3. And uh, yep, it's all good. Um, Bevan, 2013, one of the things that... Uh, sponsor. Sponsor. One of the things we should have uh, mentioned probably in the 2013 highlights, or well, I don't know, it's not really a highlight, but it's uh, an, an important part of news is uh, that Chrissy is obviously now retired. Yeah, I think that is a significant thing. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have said it's a highlight, but it's an, it's an important piece of news. And if you go to... Although Co- she kind of retired last year. Yeah, she did. Yeah. yeah. But it was still... A little bit up in the air. Okay. Uh, coffees of Hawaii have still got... Can uh, you still get the Chrissy Coffee? Oh, it appears so. Wow. I assume so. Uh, it's well, she's the, still it's, a legend, isn't she? It's on the website. They've got a cool little stamp thingy. So you can get the 100% Chrissy Coffee. They've got a Queen Kahamana um, Espresso or they've got a Vanilla Macnut. So, and one thing, when you go on Coffees of Hawaii, get this coffee, uh, a portion of the sale of coffee will be donated to the two great charities that Chrissy supports, the Blaze Man Foundation for ALS and Girls Education Nepal. So, dot org. Dot org. Mm. So get on there and uh, 
get yourself some bloody tasty coffee. Um, it's uh, who, know, who knows how much longer this is going to be around for. And at the same time, um, supporting a good cause and supporting the sponsor of I Am Talk. Well, I think the thing about coffees of Hawaii is they've got so many options, you know, that you can oh, really... You can, John, crazy. If, are you getting married this weekend? Um, maybe not give another week. How, when, when's your wedding anniversary? February. Because look, John, there's wedding flavours. Oh, yes. And maybe what you could do, Belinda, just under the slime here, is yeah. that you could give her a bit of wedding coffee. Yeah, she has got, she's bought a, got a big bloody coffee machine. Oh, have you, what about your blender? How's it going? It still hasn't bloody arrived. Oh, you paid 500 bucks for I that know. thing. Oh, I was telling Joe, I go, I go to Joe. <laughs> People are shocked that I've spent 500 bucks oh, on a blender. Not, I was one of them. <laughs> I was probably the first shocked and dismayed. You and Phil, Phil went home to Jen's like, Tyler's John spent 500 bucks <laughs> on a blender. And it's not even here yet. I told Joe, I said, John got a blender. And she goes, what kind of blender? I said, well, no. She goes, what about our one? I said, yeah. And he said, no. It does not. Those ones do not cut the mustard. Well, they cut they cut the, the food part. Not very well. She thought that you might have got one of those kind of choppy things. A food process. Yeah. Now we've got one of those as well. We're cranking that a lot now. Yeah. Mm. But the blender. A blender. Because what you could do, because can you make coffee if you blender? I don't think, why would you? Got a coffee machine. Oh, you've got all the toys, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. You got a coffee machine as well. Yeah, probably kick-ass one. Really? That's a that's a huge saver of money. Is it? Yeah, because you get your coffees away. Yeah, but but no, but like going blender drinks a lot of coffee. Ugh. Save a coffee a day is what five six bucks. But what about you the got, social aspect? Well, not when you're just going in and getting a takeaway. She just likes coffee. It's not so much. A How social much did you aspect. buy your coffee machine for? Well, this is the thing. It's even better. <laughs> Cost us a grand total of zero dollars. <laughs> we did fall off the back of a truck. Mother-in-law. Oh, the mother-in-law. She got another one. We got her one. Fantastic. Oh, that's a good scheme, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah, it's like that picture there on the wall. Yeah. It was in my parents' old house. Nice. They got a new Found one. Yeah, I said, oh, they look good around They've always been wondering where that picture went. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We take it down when they come around. So get yourselves Coffees of Hawaii coffee. Get your Queen, your uh, Chrissy's Queen K coffee and uh Do you think they sell coffee makers? Oh, well, you should, you should be selling coffee makers. Those are pretty big things to but sell. But he should at least sure. have an Amazon link. Yes. So then he can make commission on it. There exactly. we go. I'm making you more money. There we go. Yeah, Coffees of Hawaii, guys. Best coffee in the world. Make sure you get it. And you should probably drink it on Christmas Day next year sure. if you haven't got it this year. Yeah. Okay, John. So, where are we? Looking we're, forward to 2012. What's happening in 2013, John? 2013. Yeah, I'm looking forward to 2013 myself. Yeah. You know, 2012. It's taken us a lot longer than I thought it was going to take. It, is, it has really, isn't it? We're going to be screwed, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, cause we're on a pretty tight schedule today. Yeah. Uh, so, 2013. What I'm planning to do with the show, what we was what I put down, bigger, bigger. That's pretty straightforward. Bigger. What do you mean, like as in? Uh, we, we, we're, we're gonna um, put on some weight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, le- yeah. We, we want to get bigger. So the Legends Show, especially, uh, and the numbers of our downloads don't match up with with I Am Talk, and uh, we want to get them matching on up. Part. They're not far behind. Yeah, we want to get them up there, and then yeah. that's a show that I think has got a lot of scope for expanding a bit further, not just into the hardcore Iron Iron Man market, but uh, but a lot further afield. So bigger. Yeah. Better. We've got a. We've got a. We've got. We've got a. Not our first employee, but we've got somebody helping us a bit with uh, a new with member that, to the team. A new we'll call member him. to the team. Sean is uh, helping us out with a bit of uh, of our advertising behind and the scenes stuff. Behind the scenes, and that's going to take. Um, it's going to take a little bit of load off me. So I'm hoping to be able to make the quality of the shows better. Do a bit. Spend a bit more time John, on the on P's. What are you saying? We don't have good quality. Well, sometimes it could be improved. Could be better. I don't know, John. Mm. We get about two emails a year, people telling us off. Mm. So I think two emails a year out of about the thousands or so that we get. We're going to strive for excellence. So okay, we're striving for excellence. Mm. Uh, interviews. We um, 
they seem to work well. It's a good part of the show, and so I probably have uh, probably have even more interviews in 2013 um, as a bit of a plan. Yep. Clothing, as you will have heard on last week's show, um, we now have our different levels of uh, performance. Have we, have we announced it? Have we? Well, I'm, I'm putting a pretty strong suggestion out there. Okay. I know you want to go to vote, but I think no, I'm looking. Hey, we yeah. decided last week anyway. Swim, swim caps, <laughs> um, they're going to be happening. Oh, you I'm, went for I'm, the. Sw- I'm going to get committed to swim caps. There'll be different coloured swim caps for uh, for the different different levels. Uh, what we could almost do if we were really hardcore. No, don't worry. Yeah, uh, full race <laughs> kit. Working, we're working with SLS try to have full race kit. So we've got the tri suits, uh, tri shorts, tri top combo, and um, a few other bits and pieces. And the other thing I'm working on at the moment is swimwear. I am talk to some togs. It's Bevan's yawning. Yeah, he's, he's, it's not that it not. bores me. It's not that I'm not on board about 2013. I'm just I was, everybody's got. Bike. We started at what 20 to five last this yeah. morning, or 20, 23 yeah. in the morning. Yeah, on Christmas Day, everyone's so got. Bike jerseys and, and oh. tri suits and bike What will we have where the diddle is? Sorry? What will we have where the diddle is? We'll have some. A picture of a diddle. <laughs> <laughs> a little tiny one. <laughs> no, we're going to have big ones. That would be classic. <laughs> you're going to have big ones. A little tiny one. Um, so, swim we look out for that in 2013. And you can de- have your diddle on your diddle. <laughs> <laughs> we're debating. We haven't decided about Cody yet whether we're going to Kona. We need some. Uh, You've got unlikely. unlikely. I, there was an, uh, I just opened the show notes this morning. Unlikely for Kona. Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I would love, love going there and everything, but it's got. It's um it's quite a strain going over them when you're doing a week of uh, essentially Belinda calls it a holiday and I mean I love Belinda you don't know what you're doing you yeah. don't know what you're talking about we work bloody hard we'll see how things go this year I need to, I need to put as much it's basically project 2014 2014 yeah. everything needs to go in the bank for 2014 <laughs> so. and uh, me skirting off lots next year is not going to help that situation um but we'll see it's not a done deal but I'd say it's less likely and more likely haven't you got Epic Camp Next year as well, is it? Oh, I've only got Kona Camp. And, oh, is it that, 14? That's, that's it for 2013. I have not booked out anything else at this stage. <laughs> just clear on the ledger. The emotional credits are happening. Yeah. Like okay, so quickly, sponsors are? Athlinks.com. Um, social networking. Tell everyone about it. Coffees of Hawaii. Um, get your coffee for Christmas Day. And extreme endurance. And then make sure your immune is strong. Although if you're in Christchurch right now, you're not in that problem, are you? No. The weather has been fantastic so far it's in summer. Sensational. Awesome hot days. Yesterday it was like 30 degrees. Oh. Joe and I were outside on the deck last night at about half past nine. It was still just a beautiful still night. Swimming pool is cranking. Yep, swimming pool is cranking. We haven't even got our spar on. It's too hot. <laughs> Turn it off. Anyway, um, Jumbo, what are you gonna, what's happening for the rest of Christmas Day? Uh, I'm in Auckland and we're with... Uh, You're in Auckland on Christmas far, Day? Far now for, and for, yeah, for Christmas Day. Do you, when do you get there? Uh, Christmas Eve it went up yesterday oh how was that flight <laughs> it was a good flight uh, so we're up there for a few days in Tarong for a few days my sister lives up there family so what um, about um, Belinda's family do they miss the kids on Christmas Day yeah we, we, chat, we, we alternate years oh do you that's what you gotta do okay. that's what you gotta do families nowadays are so, uh, big. so we're up there and then we go to Tauranga and then we're coming back well yeah. that's, that's really exciting it is how about you um, I'm spending this, the morning by myself mm-hmm. like Woke up by myself, John. That's why I'm here doing this with you. Joe's gone mm. to Queenstown. She went to Queenstown last Sunday. Yeah. Left me by myself. Yeah. All by myself. And then uh, so I'm a bit, a bit emotionally hurt with that. And then my daughter stays with her mother because yeah. she's got brothers here and it's a bit more exciting than waking up with yeah. dad. So till about 10 in the morning, I'm just by myself, John. Go for a bike ride. 
I might do that mm. by myself. Go for a run. Yeah, put some music on. Watch yeah. Just, you know, oh, bam. And then lunch with the family, um, which is all good. I, I might put around with my sisters in the morning. And then um, I'm flying to Queenstown in the afternoon because uh-huh. Joey's going to be there. So in the afternoon, I leave, get there in late afternoon. And then I'm going camping. Mm-hmm. Going to want to go for camping. There you go. John. Oh, I talked about it last week. I, I can't talk about it now. Week. Yeah. Because I don't want to announce it yet on this week's show. Okay. Yeah. So Christmas. I love Christmas Day. Do you love Christmas Day? Love Christmas Day. Kitties. It's it's even better when you got kids, young kids. Crank it up to about nine. Mm. Once after nine, they know they know the truth. The truth. The truth is revealed. It is. And then they just want presents. Well, the show's taking twice as long as I thought it was because we thought we were going to knock out two shows before we do our Legends of Triathlon show. Legends of Triathlon. Although I do think you, were, we've taken half an hour. Mm. I think you were being a bit optimistic, thinking fifteen minutes. Mm. Mm. You talk too much. <laughs> it's my all your fault. fault. It's all your fault. Who's the one who had the, big, the best of in the bin? Next week's show, people, expect sake short. We're on a pretty tight <laughs> schedule this week. Uh, Legends, of, show. Legends of Triathlon is coming out next week on the 1st of January. Who we got on? 1st of January. Uh, all going well. We're about to do the interview in six minutes' time, hopefully. Uh, Graham Fraser, who basically... Oh, well, was, I didn't know much about Graham Fraser, quickly. Who is uh, he? He's, he's pretty much the man who... who he, he ran North America Sports, which was basically the company that took... Iron Man from being I don't think there was any Iron Mans in North America. He, he basically he took on Iron Man Canada very early in the scene and basically built that and then basically expanded Iron Man racing into uh, America and uh, and basically was just the the, the, the event organizing guru and he really uh, made it what it was in north america yeah and just expanded it and and uh, looks like a pretty interesting character I mean, yeah. i've done we'll my peas but we'll find out so Iron Russ I mean don't train hard train smart. Kia kaha. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yes.